Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Ayin Vov. We're going to go from the fifth last line of Ayin Hayom with base, 75b. Um, today's shoes for Ilunishmas, Hirsch, Ben, Ruvet, Mezna, Shoma, Haven, Ali, and memory be a blessing. Yeah, um, moment, I think just in light of our conversation, just to clarify, often it is a problem we lose the meaning of the word or we confuse it when we follow the translation. There's certain terms that don't have an accurate English translation or even colloquially how we understand the word is different. Um, there are many examples. Um, interesting, like tefillin, there's an English word for tefillin, phylacteries. No one who speaks English actually knows that word, so I don't have the advantage of translating them. <laughs> um, but that's an interesting one. Erusinemi um, suyin is a made, or I don't know what the word is, made up English word betrothed for a Rusin, and then it's what they call marriage. Again, you lose, you know, what exactly is a Rusin, because we view it as basically married, as we saw yesterday, for Skila. It's just a few different halachas. Um, the one we're discussing that's very relevant to us is the difference between Hafara and well, um, Hatara. And I think, just to highlight that, I think it might be important to go, go in your head to just use those words, Hapora and Hatara, because you mentioned there are major differences between them. Well, just how you do them. Hapora is uniquely the husband or the father, depending on the context, that they can just cancel the vow. Whereas Hatora is someone who regrets making a vow. They go to Talmud Chacham and they try to get him to find a reason why the vow should be invalid and he cancels the vow. Another major difference. So it's so, so totally two different mechanisms of how you do Hatorah and Hafora. Um, another major difference is it's also Hatorah can be done on any type of vow, whereas Hatorah might be on vows that specifically affect the marriage. Hafora, uh, Hafora. Um, another big difference, and this is what we were discussing yesterday, is Hafora works from when it's cancelled onwards, whereas Hatorah totally uproots the letter to basically as if it never was. So those are, yeah, retroactively. So those are maybe, yeah, this is a good idea. Um, so those are, we'll just use the words, Hafara and Hatara, and we know what they mean and we'll get used to them. Just an interesting one, we find it conceptually as well. There's certain words that, like, when we just translate, we often miss the deeper meaning because we never, once it's translated, we never go and develop that concept in our mind. We know there are many things that a little child understands and how you would explain it to a teenager and then to an adult would be different or you hope that they develop in their sophistication. Just an example is Yiras Hashem, fear of fear of God. So from a young from a child's perspective or and many of us just get stuck because that's the translation we use, is uh, the uh, that we're scared of God punishing us. Whereas Yiras Hashem is more sophisticated, really, and it's hopefully something that, again, you translate it and then you get stuck in the translation as opposed to developing the concept. It's an idea of more along the lines of the awesomeness of Hashem, being overawed at the greatness of Hashem, the wonders of Hashem, the splendor of Hashem, uh, and, uh, and that idea of, you know, someone, there are certain people who, you just behave differently, not because they're scary and they're going to do anything to you, but just because of who they are. And that's the sort that Yiras Hashem should hopefully develop from nursery school to primary school to high school to adulthood, this constant evolving, uh, deepening 
thing, but again, when you just translate it, you lose the... you then translate it as opposed to think of it as the concept. Um, so yes, it's a, it's a difficulty we all have, and uh, sometimes it is much clearer to use the Hebrew, even though we're not sure. We're looking for the translation to make it clearer, but uh, we'll lose a lot in trying to translate it. Okay, so let's get back into our sukya. Um, the question was, according to Rabbi Eliezer, you're allowed to, uh, the husband can annul a neder in advance. Uh, he can say to his wife, any nedarim you take while I'm away will be, I'll do hafara. Used to, I'm used to using the English, but um, you can, um, is a now is is have is uh, uh, you do have far out. So the question the Gemara wants to know is: Does the neder take effect and is then cancelled, or since the afar is already there, the neder never ever takes effect? And that's what we are trying to work with. So the previous example that um, they challenged Rabbi Lezer from. Um, well, the Gemara bore a proof from the logic that they challenged Rebbe Eliezer from. They challenged Rebbe Eliezer from the fact that um, we contrasted a person getting his own vows cancelled versus a person cancelling his wife's vows. Remember we said that if a person makes a... And I understood this, the, the phrase I came up with. It's not exactly accurate, but it's a good way of remembering it. Is prevention is better than cure. So if we know that a person cannot cancel his own vows once he's taken them, he has to go to a chacham, he has to go to a sage to uh, get hatorah. However, um, but if he makes a declaration prior to taking the neder, then it does. He says, and that was we brought from the Gemara earlier, where a person on Rosh Hashanah says, any nedarim I take over the following year are cancelled. We said that's a good... Uh, declaration, and if he forgets his declaration at the time that he takes a netter, the netter is cancelled. So we see that working in advance is stronger than prevention is better than cure. So if that's the case, well then so too, by a woman, this is again Rebbe Lezer's um, um, then how much more so a man who can annul his wife's neder even after they've taken effect, he should definitely be able to annul them, to cancel them before they have taken effect. Um, again, the difficulty is they're not clearly parallel, but I think the underlying logic that we see how far uh, we see prevention is better than cure, um, we want to run through and apply that logic. But what do we see? The, the proof we tried to bring from there is we see that they're asking from a Torah which the vow never ever takes effect. So it must be when they're comparing it with Rebbe, to Rebbe, when they're comparing Rebbe Lezis to that case, they're saying, so too with Hafara, if, if the Hafara is done in advance, the Neder never takes effect. And then the Gemara answered, no, they're not exactly parallel, and it could be that Hafara Bahafora, and then it does take effect, and then straight after that, the the the, the, the kicks in. And then it takes effect, and then the hafora kicks in. Now, what the Gemara is going to do now? Again, it's going to challenge the underlying question we're dealing with: is does hafora 
take effect and therefore the netter never takes effect? Or does the netter first take effect and then hafara comes in and cancels it? That's the underlying question. But we're going to, the prices we bring in from are all tied to this discussion between Rebelez and the sages trying to analyze Rebelez's logic that you can cancel a vow in advance, you can do hafara in advance. So what the Gomorrah, the, the proof the Gomorrah is going to bring now is based on the Kavachomer of Rebelezer. Rebelezer's Kavachomer, again, loosely, as I said, is saying that prevention is better than cure. If you can cure the letter, once the letter has already taken effect, you can do hafara, well then how much more so you should be able to prevent it taking effect. And with that understanding, we're now going to bring a case which highlights that that logic doesn't necessarily work in the Torah. And therefore, your proof, Rebelezer, that prevention is better than cure from HaTorah is not a good proof because we don't necessarily see that that, uh, you know, that premise doesn't work in the Torah. The example we're going to bring is from a mikvah and a person. We know that a mikvah works to purify a person from Tumah, but it doesn't prevent a person becoming Tumah. You can't go to mikveh in advance and say, ooh, I'm going, uh, I'm going to be uh, touching shrotsim later today, let me go to mikveh now for later. And even stronger, if a person's in the mikveh and they're holding a sheret, they don't become tahor. So there's that aspect. Um, we see that as well. Um, now, a person can't even purify something that is tahor. The Rambling's example, if a person swallows a ring that is Tomei and then later on spits it out, it's still Tomei. So what would you say if he swallowed a Toho ring and then went into a Ohel Habes? Does he protect it from becoming Tomei? So based on this logic, well, a mikveh cannot work in advance, but it can actually purify. A person which can't even purify should definitely not be able to protect. But we're going to see the halach is that a person can protect it. If a person swallows a ring that's tahor and goes into a tome, a room, an oil maze, which makes him tome, the ring remains tahor if he subsequently spits it out. So, um, so, so what do we see? The kavachomer doesn't work. And then we can say the same thing by a neder. Just because by Torah, his advanced declaration makes the netter ineffective. Who says you can't take from that case and apply it to Hafora? Let's see this inside. So Toshma Amrulay Rebi Elizabeth again fit last line of Ayn Hay on the base. They said to Rebi Lesser, Uma Mokam Shemala es hatmayim mitumason ain matzil al hatahirib in a case where a mikveh is able to purify a person from their tumma. He it is not able to pr- Tet someone toho from making them tome. Adam she'ain male es atmeim mitumasom. Welcome, Gavin. A, a person who is not able to make something tome tohor. Ain odin who shall loyatzil ala tohor emilatome. How much isn't it logical that he should definitely not be able to protect something from becoming tome? And as I pointed out, we know the halacha is not like that. He can protect something from becoming tome. 
So, so they're questioning, again, they're saying to Rabbi Lezer, you had this premise that we can make this Tavachomer, that prevention is better than cure, and apply it from Hatora to Hafora. Well, we've just shown that even when you have two similar cases in Tumah, like a mitzvah purifying something and a person purifying or protecting, we don't make such Tavachomers. They don't stand. So that, that's their argument. But again, what, what we're trying to prove we're trying to answer our question whether Hafara actually takes effect. Sorry, if someone takes a neder that, and if someone says in advance, according to Reb that his wife's vow should be, uh, he does Hafara in advance, do we say that the neder takes effect? So we see by the fact that the sages are, the Rabbanon are challenging Reb from the case of a person protecting something from becoming Tomei, right? It's not that it becomes Tomei and then is purified. As we said, a person's body doesn't purify something like a mikvah. Um, so we see that they're, they're thinking of it in the lines of it never takes effect. So, so too, we would say, since that's the lines they're thinking of, since that's the case they bring into question Rebelezer, must be they understand Rebelezer as holding that. Even Bahafora said in advance, the netter never takes effect. Now look what going to say, I'm a safer, but what about in the safer? Now again, you've got to remember, the proof is from this discussion between them trying to argue what the halacha should be, does Hafora, should Rebelezer's Kavachomer work, does Hafora work in advance? But we're going to try to deduce from what they're saying how it affects our question of whether the Hafora takes effect, that the netter never takes effect, or does the netter take effect and then the Hafora kicks in. So that, that's just a tricky point to remember. It says, I'm a safer. Look at the next clause of that price. It says, Omrulloy le Rebbe Yelezer, they said to Rebbe Yelezer, Im vatlin matbilin kli tomei litoher, yadbilu klish le keshe yitma litoher. Just because you can toivel a kli from becoming tomei, should you be able to toivel a kli to prevent it becoming tomei? And let's say you know uh, you're going to be, as we pointed out, you know that uh, you're going to be coming into contact with something Tomei, or you know that the vessel's going to be coming into contact with something Tomei, so can you put it in the mikveh in the morning to prevent it? Obviously not. So just, just because something works as a cure doesn't necessarily mean it works as a prevention. So just because Hafora can cancel the netter already taken, who says Hafora can work in advance? Again, that's their argument. But to answer our question, we learn from here that the sages are saying to Rebbe if the vessel becomes Tomei, it can be purified. But can you do something in advance? We see their understanding Rebbe as holding. The Neder does take effect, and then the Hafora kicks in. We see that the Neder does take effect. And then according to Rebbe Lezer, the Hafor would kick in. It says, Omri... So, so the difficulty is this Brysa, the first clause we brought on the bottom of the previous Abud, implied that the Neder, they understand Rebbe Lezer saying that Neder never takes effect. If Hafor is done in advance, according to Rebbe Lezer. Well, according to Rebbe Lezer, if Hafor is done in advance, the never, Neder never takes effect. Whereas the second clause, the Neder does take effect. So Omri Ramonon... Omri, they said, They're not clear in the reason. They weren't able to determine the reason of Rebbe Lezer. And this is what they are saying to him. My Svirloch. Rebbe Lezer, what are you old? 
to have a clarity of therefore if you hold that the netter takes effect and then is cancelled the kli will reject your logic okay so the kli rejects your logic um, and shows that prevent just because you say the cure works it might not work as a prevention and if you don't hold that the data takes effect at all, well then the, pre- the piece we learned at the bottom of the previous Amud is a rejection of you. We see that just because a mikvah works to purify something, it can't protect something. A person who can't even purify something should definitely not be able to protect it, but we see that he can protect it. So your, your logic, either way, Rebbe Lezer, doesn't, your Kavachomer, well, is that Rebbe Lezer, either way, your Kavachomer doesn't work. Okay, so where are we holding? We still don't have an answer. According to Rebbe Lezer, does the letter take effect or not? Toshma. Omalohem Rebbe Lezer. Uma, Rebbe Lezer said to the sages, if you take tome grain, you take tome wheat, and you plant it, and it starts to grow, that purifies it. It's not tome anymore. Well, how much more so if you have wheat that is growing, that is not yet tome. It can't become tome. That's growing the It's already been planted and it's standing. You have tahor grain that's growing. If anything touches it while it's growing, it shouldn't become tome. It does. It doesn't become tome. It doesn't become tome. So that's Rebeleza's worry. You see that prevention is stronger than cure. And the, what's strong about this, the Ram points out, is the rabbis agreed to this kavachomer. On the surface, when the pasuk is discussing these halachas. Well, based on, not on the surface, based on the droshes, when the Pasuk is discussing these, it's speaking to a case where you take Tomei Grader and you plant it, when it starts to grow its tahor, and the sages agree to Rebelezer that you apply the Kavachomer and say, obviously, if you have tahor grain growing and anything touches it while it's growing, it doesn't become Tomei. So the rabbis agree with it. So the Rabbonon say, no, the Rabbonon don't shoot Kavachomer. The Rabbonon don't expound that Kavachomer. So, uh, based on how I explained, um, you know, so, sorry, full stop. So that's uh, we see from here that it does not, the nerer does not take effect. Rabbi Lezer understands when you, when a husband does hafar in advance, the mechanisms there is the nerer never ever takes effect. Um, Okay, so we've answered that question, but we're still a little bit confused based on this Kavachomer. Okay, so you're assuming that the rabbis don't learn a Kavachomer similar to Rebbe Lezer. So the words for Rabbi Ladoshi Kavachomer. Do the rabbis do not apply this logic? Rebbe Lezer's logic seems very strong and very stable. And if it works to cure the problem, it should definitely work to prevent the problem. Um, so he says, but, I, but not on that. I'll show you a proof where the rabbis bring such a case, where they, re, where they use such a svara. It says, Vahotan, we learned in the Braisa. Yochel yimkor adomes bito nara. It's possible. You might think that a man can sell his daughter as a slave when she's a nara. I, well, we know at the beginning of Pashat Mishpatima, 
is a parasha which part to where the Torah discusses a father has the right to sell his daughter as a slave, but it's his daughter who's a katana. Now, what can he, maybe he can sell his daughter as a Nara when she's already 12. Says, Omar, Kabachomer, it's a Kabachomer. Mechura Kvar Yotza. If she's already sold as a slave and she becomes a Nara, she turns 12, she goes free. If she is not yet sold, how much more so, he should not be able to sell her. I again, when the Torah is discussing this, nara, this, this girl, it says, what makes her go free? One of the things that make her go free is when she turns 12 and has two sarahs. She becomes a nara. No, she goes free. She goes free. And? Are you want to say, can she do... Uh, the ear piercing thing. No, 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 no. I'm saying when, I thought when the, when the girl is 12 years old, the husband sells her, the father sells her, the slave will marry her off. This is, so he sells her before she's 12. Yeah. And when she, she becomes 12, she goes free. She goes free. Yeah. Now, if that's the case, well then, if she's already, now the Torah doesn't discuss this, what happens if she's already 12? Well, we can say how much more so. If becoming a Nara frees her, how much more so when she's already a Nara, she can't be sold into slavery. And the rabbis agree with that for her. So we see that the Rabbanon agreed to Rebilezer's logic, that you can apply this principle of prevention is better than cure. So why here do they not? So the Moran says, yeah, in Baal Medoshi Kavachomer. You're right. In general, they do expound such a Kavachomer. The shiny hacha to Amakro, but here's different because of the following, the Pasuk tells us otherwise. Ishi yakimenu ve'ishi yafireno. It connects doing her comma and her for it. says her husband can verify the vow and the husband can cancel the vow. Only if it's a vow that he could verify can he cancel. And if it's a vow he could not verify, he could not cancel it. And that's what we saw earlier in, our, in, in the Mishnah. It said very clearly, everyone agrees that a husband can't verify a vow that has not yet been taken. He can't say to his wife, any vows you take over the following week or any vow you take while I'm away is verified. He can't do that in advance, so, and it's connected. So what are the rabbis saying? They're saying, you're right, Rabbi Eliezer. We agree with your logic. Actually, we do agree with your logic. The Kavachomer makes sense. But there's a drosha telling us otherwise. Now, just some questions on this. Um, quickly, is um, the, the Ram asked, we brought a good source that the rabbi from grain. We said the rabbi don't agree with the drosha of Rebbe Lezer about grain. What's the drosha about grain? That if grain, which is tome, is planted, it becomes pure, well then grain which has been planted and is already grown can definitely not become impure. And we said the rabbis agree with that Kavachomer. So why now does the Gomorrah then come along and say, I've got another proof that the rabbis, I've got a proof that the rabbis agree with such a Kavachomer from the Nara who sold, from the Nara who sold into slavery. Just use the previous Kavachomer. So the rabbi gives two answers. I'll give the second one because I, I found it more straightforward and really understand the first one. He says, if, that's the third last line in the run, he says, in Ami alternatively, Efshar Tesfir Lehul Rabbanon, could be the rabbis hold, 
the Lizruin Vaim Din Regarding grain that was planted that, that's already growing, you don't need a Kavachomer. Dimikrod al They can learn it out directly from the Possum. I in the case of the grain, we said that the Rabbanon agreed to Rebelezer's Kavachomer. That if the grain is purified by being planted, obviously when it's planted already, it can't become Tomah. Um, we said that the Rabbanon agreed to learning that through a Kavachomer. The Ran saying, you could actually read the Possum saying that you don't need the Drosha, you don't need the Kavachomer, it's straightforward for the <coughs> So therefore, we still need a source to show that the Rabbis agree with this line of thinking. Okay, so that's what we proved. We proved that they agree with the, the logic of prevention is better than cure. And then, so then the Ran asks on that. He says, if they agree... So, so, so what are we saying? The rabbis agree with the logic of Rabbi Akiva, with, of Rabbi Eliezer. They agree that this principle, that prevention is better than cure, and as long as you can prove... So, so any time you find that a cure works, it should work as a prevention. <coughs> the difficulty is that is we brought so many cases where Rabbi Eliezer brings a kind of that prevention is better than cure, and the rabbis try to disprove the Kavachomer. They try to disprove the logic. But that's, they, don't, they don't disagree with the logic according to what we've just said. According to what we've just said, they agree with the logic. They're just arguing on the... They say that there's a Xerus Akosov that tells us we don't apply such logic. So, so do you see the... The, the difficulty, okay. We've answered the question, we say that Rebbe, the Chachamim agree with Rebbe Lezer in his logic, with the Kavachamim, that prevention is better than cure. They say, but in regards to the Dorim, we can't apply that because there's a post, there's this drosha that says, Isha Yekimenova Isha Yefereno, her husband can verify it and her husband can cancel it. It has to, they, they connect it. Hafora only works when you could do Hakama. But then why the whole sukkah where the rabbis trying to dismiss Rebbe Lezer's logic? So the Ran actually asked that question, um, and he's, it's, it's a bit tricky to work out his answer inside because, in the case of the mikvah, I explained it in one way, but the Ran actually brings three versions in the text. So his answer is based on one of those versions, but I think we can very simply. I think you can take the principle, and he says that what they're the whole time what they're trying to prove to Rabbi Lezer is that Rosh's override the Kavachomer. I by mikveh, there's a drosha to tell us that a person protects from tumor, even though you wouldn't have said that. You see, the drosha overrides the kavachomer all along. So really, they're not trying to undermine the kavachomer and say that your logic, Rebbe Lezer, doesn't work. They're trying to prove to Rebbe Lezer that the drosha overrides the kavachomer. Quite interesting discussion, but that would be one way of looking at it. Okay, let's go on to the new Mishnah. Um, Interestingly enough, just, a, just where this line of thinking of prevention is better than cure, uh, I mean, obviously there's a lot to discuss of the, uh, on, on it, and there's, you know, there's interesting things you can discuss about mikvintfil and when it protects from tumma and stuff, but just one that uses this line that comes up in interesting halacha. Should one say Kaddish for a deceased relative before they're buried? You know, after they're buried, we say that it is. It's actually a matlok at Shach and Taz in uh, Yoradeh, they argue. Um, does it work? And, and, and this is one of the lines of thinking. Well, one of the lines of thinking is until, I don't know, you know, maybe it should only work after they're buried. That's what we find. 
And again, the argument a lot is based on the minhag. But Rav Moshe wants to come along and say he thinks it's fine to say, I don't remember the exact language if he's saying you should or he thinks it's fine. But I think it's more along the lines of he thinks it's fine to say Kaddish before the Kfura as well. If the, in general, he doesn't end up going to Shul or anything before. But if the scenario arises, he can say Kaddish before because of the Swara. If Kaddish is good enough to bring him merit to redeem him from Gehenna, well, then Kaddish should definitely be good enough to protect him from going into Gehenna. So the same logic of prevention is better than cure. I just thought it's an interesting uh, time where this uh, swari is used. Okay, new Mishnah. Um, just to see the Psukim before going to the new Mishnah, this was a question we discussed a little bit the other day. How, when we say that he has that day to hear the Nedim, how long, when does he have? So the Psukim says, the im hofer yofer oiso isha, if a husband um, shall annul those vows, be yom shomor, on the day that he hears about him, okay, um, okay. Um, all her neders are, are cancelled because her husband did not verify them. That's the one possible. And then uh, two psukim, three psukim later, uh, two psukim later says, If the husband is silent from literally miyom elyom, from day to day, ahikim es kol nadoreho, and he verifies her nadorem, es kol asher osra asher aleo, anything which she has, forbidden on herself, ahikim osom, they are verified, ki hechrish lo v'yom shamo, because he was silent on the day that he heard them. So if you notice in the first pasuk, it uses the language v'yom shamo on the day that he hears them. The second pasuk says, if he's silent, miyom elyom, from day to day, so that's just key to keep in mind. Let's look at the Mishnah. It says, Haforos Nadorim Kolayom. You can do Haforos Nadorim the whole day. I, What does it mean the whole day? Until nightfall. And he says, unlike, Again, unlike the opinion, it's not in the Mishnah, but you'll see it, that you have 24 hours. You have the whole day. You don't have 24 hours. And this is lenient and strict. Now, very interesting. Generally, when we say something's lenient and strict, what do we mean in contrast to the other opinion? There's times where this is more lenient than the other opinion, but that doesn't make sense because the two opinions are either you have that day until nightfall or you have 24 hours. There's no time that the opinion, um, the opinion you have that day is more lenient and you'll have longer to another netter than the opinion that you have 24 hours. Because at most you're going to get 24 hours from from night to the following night. But whereas the 24-hour one you always have. So, so like hakel ula hachmir here means sometimes you have longer and sometimes you have shorter. That's what the Rishonim um, point out. Uh, the Rosh says it as follows. Um, he says, Kaloimar, it means to say, Pa'amim mayfer is a man kotzer, upa'amim is man meruba. Sometimes you have a, a, a short time to an alden eder, and sometimes you have a long time to an alden eder. He's not saying that there are times when this opinion is more lenient than the other opinion, which says you get 24 hours. The Ram says very similar. He says, This is the second run on the Mishnah. So he says, he's not being specific when, he's not being precise when he uses the language of going lenient or going strict because it's not relevant the language of going lenient or strict. This is what it's saying. 
פעמים שזמן הוא מרובה, פעמים שזמן הוא מועט. להפוך מעץ לעץ, זה לעולם זמן ראשון. What it's saying is sometimes you have a long time to another nether, and sometimes you have a shorter time to another nether, and this is an exclusion of the opinion which holds 24 hours, the לעולם זמן ראשון, which is always the same time. So that's what the Mishnah is saying. So, Haforis, the Nadorim is that day, and sometimes it's longer and sometimes shorter. Kate said, Nodro Belel's Belele Shabbos, if he takes his neder on Lel Shabbos, I at the start of Shabbos. Over Yom HaShabbos, Evans of Belel Shabbos, Yofer Belel Shabbos, over Yom HaShabbos, Adshetichshach, he can annul the neder the whole of Shabbos and on the day of Shabbos until nightfall. So that's. He has a long time. He takes the neder Friday night as Shabbos comes in. He has all the way till Motzei Shabbos to another neder. Nor draw him chasheicha if he takes the neder just before nightfall. Meiferad sheloi tichshach sheimuchashcha v'lahafor ainu yochel hafer. He has to annul it before dawn, before shkia, and if he does not, he's not able to annul it. So if he takes it shortly, let's just use the term shkia. Because we would go strict out of carefulness, but if he takes the neder shortly before shkia, he has a few minutes to annul it, and if he does it, it's verified because that counts as silence. So that's the the strictness is that sometimes you only have a very short time to annul the neder, and if it's just before shkia when he hears about the neder, and the leniency is sometimes you have a long time. What does it make a difference whether it's Shabbos or Monday or Thursday? Why does the Mishnah use the example of Shabbos? So you'll see part of the chiddush is. Are you allowed to annul a neder on Shabbos? Strictly speaking, you should only be allowed to annul a neder that's relevant to Shabbos. Um, no, so so, so, so far, that's why. Then, his, then her husband can annul it when right. he is. But so what I'm, I'm, just, I'm not going to drive to... Uh, I'm not taking the kids to school next week, even though school starts. Shabbos. No, so that... So then uh, you can't annul that on Shabbos because you don't allowed to drive on Shabbos, etc., etc. Yeah, so, so what we see is you can annul a neder on Shabbos, and the emphasis is, and that's what, like it's a little bit, uh, it seems a little bit uh, elaborate, the Mishnah, but it's kind of coming to highlight that even if the neder, the reason he's allowed to annul it on Shabbos is because if he doesn't do it on that day, he won't be able to, because once Shabbos passes, okay. he's lost out. Um, Okay, but we'll see that a bit later in the Gomorrah, not, not in Judeisha. It says, Tanya, we learned in the Rise, our forest and Dover and Kalayom. You have the whole day to do our forest and Dover, I until Marvel. Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Eloza, Rabbi Shimon, Amru, Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Huda, and Rabbi Eloza, Rabbi Shimon, both say, Ma'ish, you have 24 hours. It says, My time at the Tanakama, what's the source for the first opinion? I let you have that day. So, on my crow, because the Pasuk says, Beyom Shomo, on the day that he hears about it. And the day that he hears about it implies that day till nightfall. He says, Ah, oh, the other sages, I Rebbe Yosi, Rebbe Yura, and Rebbe Loz, Rebbe Shimon, what's their source? To see, as the Pasuk says, Mi Yom El Yom. That was the second Pasuk I read to you. It says, from day to day. Sounds like you have 24 hours. Okay, so they each have a good source. But now we, they, they both agree on the reading of the Psukim. So, But according to the Tanakam, it says, from day to day. I, how does he know to take, what does that mean? He says, but Yom Shomor tells us you have until nightfall. So how does he explain the possible? He says you have from day to day. It sounds like you have from today till the next day. He says, no, Itzrich, he needs it to eat. If it would have just said on that day, 
on the on the day that he hears about it, I would have thought he's only allowed in during the day. And not at night. Therefore the Pasuk writes, Miyom El Yom. From day to day. I have the Ran explains this language um, is that the Mashmim is Sof Yom Shalif Neishmiya Ad Sof Yom Shal Shmua. I you have from the end of the previous day, I the start of today, until up until tomorrow, I until the end of today. That's me Yom El Yom to highlight that you can do the Hafara even at night. According to the two sages who said that you have 24 hours, the Pasuk says he can annul an error on the day he hears about it. I, and if he waits 24 hours, let's say he hears about it at lunchtime and he has 24 hours, well then he's going to be annulling it on the following day. It's not on the day he hears about it. So what does he do with that Pasuk? says, no, it's Shrek, he needs that Pasuk to eat, if it would have just written Yom El Yom, from Sunday to Sunday, could be read as from this day to the same day. From Sunday, if he hears about it on Sunday, he has until next Sunday. If he hears about it on Wednesday, he has until next Wednesday. So that's what it is. But Yom Shomor tells us, but of that day, so 24 hours of the day, from 24 hours, Miyom El Yom, from when he hears about it. 24 hours from when he hears about it of that day. Um, yeah, now, interesting one. Omar Ibn Shimon, there's a bit of a discussion. Yeah. Omar, well, let's see. Omar Ibn Shimon ben Pazir, Ibn Shimon Mesazi says, Omar Ibn Shimon ben Levi, in the name of Ibn Shimon ben Levi, ain't halacha k'oisa azuk, the halacha is not like that pair. Aye? The halacha is not like Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Laws of Rabbi Shimon. The halacha is like the opinion that you have till the till nightfall, not that one. Says Levi Sovela maybe Kahani tonight. Levi was going to practice like these tonight. He was going to pass him that someone had 24 hours to another netter. Omalay Rav. Rav says, Hachi Omar Khavivi. My dear one said to me, Rav refers to his uncle Rebi Khia as Khavivi. Rebi Khia was the colleague of Rebi. Remember, and Rebi Khia is the, actually the author of the Tosefta. So he's a very, one of the Gedola Dora. He was a slave He's referring to Zayn Khavivi. Ain Halacha Ka'isa Hazuk. Um, I think it's a term of respect and endearment here. Yeah, I don't know if it's yeah, yeah, slang, yeah. it's a term the of uh, respect. Yeah, the halacha is not like that. So the halacha is miyom el yom. Now that's the standard way of learning, and that's our, our text that the halacha is like our Mishnah that you have until the end of the day, and not that you have 24 hours. And then if you read like that, then it's a little bit tricky. While we have the next piece, let's read it, and then I'll come and tell you another way. It says here by Rab. Shodi Giro Bodak. Rav would carry on shooting arrows while he was analyzing the Dorim. Rabba Barhuna Yosef Akoim. And Rabba Barhuna would stand up and sit would sit down and stand up. I he would annul the vow, he would cancel vows while he was just going along his normal route. Now, what's that referring to? It can't be referring to Hafara. Because Hafara doesn't take any thought. There would be no you wouldn't use the word ubodic, you would investigate, and you wouldn't, there would be no Kiddush. He just hears his vows and his wife's Nadorim, and he says, I cancelled them. Mufar. 
So that's why they learn, and then you have to answer why is it here. The Ran says it seems it's just because it's a um, because it's a teaching of uh, it's it's Rav's child who's mentioning this teaching. But basically, he says what's it? It's it's now taking a little bit of a detour to discuss Hattoris Nadori. Now you might have thought that Hattorah takes. What do we know? He's got to find the Pesach. He's got to find Kharoti. He's got to, the, the person who comes to now the Neder has got to prove that he never wanted to take the Neder in the first place or that it was based on a mistaken premise. So he says, still, um, I, I'll read it in the run. If, if, he just says it very clearly. He says, would carry on shooting arrows and check them. It's the third last line in the run. It says, Just because we mentioned the teaching of Rav, we now mention the teaching of his, of Chia, the son of Rav. What does it mean he would, continue, he would carry on shooting arrows and investigate? It says, While he was still busy, other shoot practicing his archery, hunting, whatever, busy with other things. He would investigate, check someone out who had come to another neder, to cancel the neder. He would ask him if the person regrets it, and he would then permit it. The cost of a poison but he holds you can. And now with charoto, it doesn't take. Uh, thought to annul it. Again, if you have to look for a Pesach, remember, there's two ways of annulling a neder that a person comes to the Chochom or the panel and he says, I want to cancel my neder. There's two ways. One is the stronger way is through a Petach. He says, had I known X, I wouldn't have taken the neder. I, he hadn't heard his his uh, his niece got engaged that, small, that, that morning and he took a netter against uh, having a lechaim. And then he hears that his niece just got engaged and he wants to have a lechaim with her, for her, with his, uh, with his brother. So what is he? So he goes to the Chacham and he says, had I known that she was engaged, I would never have taken the netter. That's a Pesach. But now Pesach, that requires a little bit of thought. Um, remember, we, uh, it was when I was away, but there were the Sujis of Noilad, it has to be something in already in existence. All the criteria to meet a Pesach. But Rav doesn't hold you need fear by Rav. Didn't hold that you need a petach. He holds Harota is good enough. Harota is the guy just comes along and he says, you know, I regret having ever taken this netter. I haven't for one moment since I took the netter said, oh, it was a good thing I took that netter. I've regretted it all the time. Don't need a lot of thought. The guy just has to tell you he's regretted that. And that's what it's telling us by these two sages. You know, Rav would carry on shooting arrows. Um, Rabbi Baravuna would sit and stand out, whatever he is doing, he just carry on doing it. Because they hold you can annul a letter with Karot, it doesn't take much sense. Okay, so that's the way of learning. It's a little bit out of place, while all of a sudden we're bringing in our Torah, but that's a roundway. The Rosh, very interesting, brings another Girsa on the previous piece, where we said that, um, the Rosh has the Girsa that says the Halacha is like that Zug. The Halacha is that you have 24 hours. So the Rosh has a, has a version that the halacha is that you have 24 hours. And then he explains the next piece differently. He says, what does it mean that Rav would shoot an arrow and check? He would shoot the arrow to see where the shadow is. 
so that the next day, 24 hours later, he, he, so to remember how long he has to do hafara, because he can just see the next day, oh, I still have a few hours, or oh, the shadow's close, or the shadow's past, it's too late to do hafara. And that's what Yosef Akoim, similarly, Rab Barafuna, would stand up to see, or sit down to see where Akoim, if he was sitting, he would stand up to see where his shadow is, and know that the next day, he would unlal it at the same time. We know at the beginning of Shu, the sun shines in our eyes, we remember to put those, by the end of Shu, the sun's already higher. So you hear about your wife's neder, at the beginning of Shir, I mean, we have watchers and we know what time Shir is, but you know, you do some uh, method to remark so that they could mark the 24 hours for how long they had to annul the letter. Okay, we'll leave it here for today.